0: Hi, welcome to the Bill Selleck Talks Podcast. My name is Bill Selleck, and this is me talking. But today I'm not talking by myself. No, no, no. I'm talking with the one, the only. This human is an Ed Camper. He is an elementary teacher. He is a student voice advocate. He is a presenter of ISTE, a presenter of Q, a presenter of international talks in countries far away and near. He is a human that loves his kids, both student kids and his own human biological kids, which is a strange way to introduce someone. And yet here we are. This is the one, the only, I, I can't believe we're talking with him. He is one of my favorite humans on earth. And I guess one of my favorite humans anywhere, because I don't know of any other on any other planets. It is Scott Bedley. Scott, how are you?
1: Well, Bill, I'm really glad that there is only one of me because more of me would be not good. Yeah,
0: God help us all. My goodness, in in ways we could not imagine. But Scott, I'm,
1: doing, I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for letting me be a guest here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, what matters to you? Who are you? What what do you what do you do? What do you care about? We're gonna talk a lot about Green Guardians, but like, let's back up and who is who is Scott?
1: Well, I'm a educator. I think. At my core,
0: <laughs> you think
1: I, I'm pretty sure at this point, I'm going in my sure. 30th, 30th year coming up here, Bill. Whoa, I know it goes really fast, but I'm a huge play advocate and specifically unstructured play having uh, started with Eric Sable and Tim Bedley and a few other good friends, uh, global school play day, just getting back to some things that are really core about a, a people and what we need. And that, that led me into my current passion right now. But, you know, I'm just a person that's looking for different ways to move education forward beyond the the Prussian model of preparing mindless people (laughs) to get out into the workforce and preparing critical thinkers who examine, you know, their impact on the world.
0: Yeah, well, and so I think we need to make it duly noted that not only are you one of the best educators I've ever seen, and when I was teaching second grade and you were in fifth, we'd hop on. I think it was pre zoom, like we'd hop on a Skype call and like our students were collaborating together and stuff. So like, you're the real deal for sure. And you are not only one of my favorite humans, but like one of the best educators I've ever seen. And I don't just say that, like, I I know that when you share something out, it's, it's the real deal. It's legit. So whenever you're like, Hey, I was playing with this thing. Like I am now trying this thing, right? That's how I got on Voxer. We're still on it with a, a small group of humans. Um, what else? Like earlier in the Ed Camp days, we kind of were like, all right, there's there's something going on here. Um, you know, even playing, I remember you had four Alexas or the Amazon Echoes in each corner of the room. And you're like, this whole idea about like kids getting it to just like not have to ask me for all the questions. I'm like, there's something there, right? So that your your latest something there is Green Guardians, right? So walk us through, what is this? Why do you care about this?
1: Yeah. So for a long time, I've, I've thought about the environment. And to be real transparent, I'm not living the -the off-the-grid green life, obviously. Uh, I'm not perfect at it. I'm trying to find ways to become better as my own person. But like Play Day, the question in my head came back was, how can I control what I do in my classroom around this idea of being better for the environment? How can I control the, the spaces that I'm in, not just my own personal space, but my spaces at school? And how can I influence my kids to do that? And I can't force them to recycle at home, right? I can't force them to you know, turn off the lights at home or use less water, whatever it might be that would be um, creating a, a smaller carbon footprint for them as a family. But I can do those things at school. That's, that's the space I have control over. And that's kind of led me on a journey of looking for different things. <clears throat> I was approached by this incredible guy uh, from Pakistan. Um, his name's Bino, And he said, hey, I'm starting this company called Green Guardians focused on what's ne- what we're calling environmental literacy, how well the kids understand their impact on the environment. So we're not advocating for any missions. Or, we're just saying, hey, let's get kids to think about and critically think about what is their impact. Let's get schools to think about what's their impact on the environment. And, and so it kind of turned from this thing about being passionate for play, and I, which I still, it's, it's right there tied for this, but um, also into the space of like, how do I really um, create a space for my students who are passionate anyways, right? I think if you ask most kids, especially K through sixth grade kids, they want to do something. They want to save the world. They want to save animals and they want to save all those things. But, but I wanted to say, Hey, how do we save our school playground that has trash all over it because you didn't throw it. (laughs) Right. And how do we reduce the amount of, of, you know, food waste we're putting into, to landfills that cause, you know, all kinds of greenhouse gases like methane that, you know, lead to climate change. Um, You know, and, and so that was kind of my journey in the beginning of like why I wanted to do this, be involved with it to check it out and all those things.
0: Well, yeah. And, and right before we started recording also, we were talking about like, there seems to be this, this trope in education of like, we're creating, or, you know, students are are in school now and they're going to have these jobs we don't know about. There's a future that we don't know that exists, right? This, and it, it almost feels like this, like we need to prepare them for anything. And that's where the four C's come in. And that's, you know, like there's, there's a bunch of kind of entry points beyond that, but we actually know what the jobs of the future are to some extent, right?
1: Yeah. And and how many conferences, Bill, have we met at where, you know, whether it was, you know, Sir Ken Rob like whoever it might be saying, we don't even know the jobs we're preparing our kids for in the future. We just don't know. And so, and so I I say, you know, having leaned in more into the sustainability effort, the, the world of green, um, is like we do know we do know there is there are impacts and jobs that can be massively successful for students over the next 15 to 30 plus years around making sure the earth doesn't become a wasteland like we've seen in so many movies and books and all those kind of things
0: well yeah so so walk us through like what's next then so we actually know that there you know environmental literacy is important we know that there's going to be new jobs around this. So then what's next? Like you with your, your fifth grade teacher hat on, how do you enter into this with students?
1: Right. So for me, I tend to go big picture and then pull back. And I look at like the landscape in education right now. And I feel like so many teachers are burnt out and fried and, Don't want another thing on their plate. And so I, you know, I started working with the green guardians and just consulting them on creating some lessons that are project-based, but I said, this has to be low, low hanging fruit and it has to plug in to a current part of their curriculum. Otherwise Nobody wants it. I don't want it. Right. You know, right. I, I want to teach it, but I, I like my number one priority is that like kids have to leave me reading and writing and doing math. Well, yep. I, I mean, ultimately that's where we're at. And, and I want to have all those other things on top of it, but I know that, you know, the, for, for many teachers, you know, going through this whole COVID thing, it just, it, it either shifted your mindset to like prioritize things really tightly because you don't know when those are going to be gone Or, you know, I just, just a lot of burnout. So, you know, they did a great, fantastic job. Their team of um, curriculum writers did a fantastic job of making really just plug and play lessons for teachers that can take you maybe five minutes to prep. And then you have this beautiful literacy lesson that has writing, reading, math, all involved with it. Um, And so I started to see like, you know, test some of these lessons out in my classroom and started to see the excitement. I started to see the critical thinking, you know, the writing that led out of this was beautiful things that I was already going to be doing, but I actually could now have a dual impact. And so it was like this integration piece that isn't always really easy to do was done well. And, um, and so, you know, just continued to build a relationship there. Eventually uh, being the founder said, Hey, why don't you come on board? And spend a little bit more time. So I've been spending a little bit more time with them over the last uh, maybe nine months, um, just working to get get the message out. Um, It's not a required standard around environmental, um, you know, education. So it really has to be something that helps teachers teach reading, writing, and math. And so that's the, the one thing that I'd say, like I was really proud of them for when they developed this, that it's so strong in those areas that I didn't feel like I was giving up things. I felt like I was adding, having this value add, um, and teaching my kids about things like, you know, one of the, the big things that I love is teaching kids facts that they don't really think about. And going back to my original, um, what I was talking about is like control what we can control. So I had a group of students this last year that put together an assembly for the school. So that's my green team at school. They put together an assembly on composting because composting in California is now required at schools but no the kids don't know what to compost or how to compost or anything like that. Yep. And so it doesn't have any value or meaning to them. So it's like, how do I add value and meaning for my students? So they created this total student created bill. You would have loved it. Like it was that. Nice. <laughs> so they had uh, captain compost versus the <laughs> evil, the evil doctor landfill. <laughs> and so, and it came from this fact that I shared with them that 50, this 530,000 tons a year, of food is wasted at schools.
0: Whoa, say that again.
1: 530,000 tons per year of food is wasted at schools. And we know that there's a lot of reasons for that. The food doesn't taste good. The kids don't like it. There's a lot of reasons, but we can have a solution by composting this. And that, that leads to, that's every day, Bill, every day that's about $9.7 million in waste. Wow. And you think about the money that that could mean for schools, for teachers, for you know, you know the, the kind of impact that that could lead to if we could save that in some way, but more so than anything, like how do we keep that out of a landfill? How do we keep that adding to the the problem because it is under our control at school, wow. right? So again, I don't, I'm not here to preach to anybody about hey, you should be recycling at home and you need to get an electric car and you need no, no, no. That's we need to do as teachers what we can do to control and educate, right? So this was my whole kind of focus moving in and working with green guardians and then using their materials in the classroom is like, how do I get kids to think about what we're doing every day for 182 days at school? And how can we better impact the environment just with what we're doing?
0: Yeah. You know what I love about captain compost? Yeah. (laughs) A few years ago, uh, 2018, 19, maybe we had a similar thing of like, we noticed we had compost, but kids were for the most part, throwing stuff away that couldn't be there. And the company we contracted with has a rule that if anything can't be composted, the whole thing just goes in the, the garbage. Mm. And so we, we were almost like at 0% at one point of actually composting, despite having compost and the science and whatever. So we actually wrote a song. I partnered with a science teacher and the music teacher. Um, they recorded a song, Compost. It was like C-O-M-P-O-S-T. And there's some kind of Captain Compost. And he like had a cape and he popped out of a trash can. Um, And then I worked with a team, we kind of split our our group into two, and uh, we made the music video. So we storyboarded what that's going to be while they're writing the song, and then we put it all together. Um, And and that actually got some traction where kids, you know, then we could present it like at the all school assembly. Here's the song, you know, here's what to do, here's what not to do. And, uh, and actually got some traction on using composts which is That's great. So the other thing I, I love about it before we go any further is the way you were talking about this kind of two for one, where like environmental literacy is not part of certainly California content standards, but there's plenty of other standards that it'll tie into. So you get the writing, you get the science angle. And instead of being like, oh crap, like we don't have enough time to teach science and writing, we got to teach writing and we'll we'll skimp on science this actually gets not only writing plus science, but also the environmental literacy. So you almost get like this three for one, right?
1: Yeah. And then you you talk about, you know, preparing your kids for a better future. This inspires them to see a whole new field and whole new area that they may come up with solutions that, you know, we, we both know, Bill, and I'm sure all the people that are listening know who work with kids know that the creativity and the ideas that they can come up with, even if they're you know, moonshot out of the world, not going to happen kind of things. Those sometimes lead to something beautiful. And so, um, you know, I think if kids aren't aware of, you know, like this night, you know, when I share this fact with my green team and my class itself, they're like, what in the world? It's like, you have to explain what is 530,000 tons.
0: Mm -hmm. What does that look like? Yeah, yeah, Yeah.
1: And when they start to see that in a real world context and they're like, we have to do something. Yeah, and and it changes hard and changes slow, but um, you know we've we've been no, we've known about our environmental impacts. In fact, I was reading an article shared with me from like 1984, but mm-hmm. used the term environmental literacy. Like this is not something new. We just haven't done it. Yeah. And right. I, I kind of related to the tech field and tech in education is, you know they had they had Apple IIes in classrooms when I was in school. <laughs> And it took, you know, how many years before we were using them better, we're still not maybe using them as well as we could, but better than and more regularly than, you know, going to a lab to use them. Why can't we be using these in the classroom? Why can't we be? And, and to me, I feel like the environmental literacy, which is now um, required in the state of New Jersey um, and other states are looking at requiring that, including California, they have a big push from the Cal State and university levels to include that in our curriculum. Here's a great way to get a jump on that. <laughs> so Absolutely. I was like, I want to be ahead of this one. I don't want to be behind this one. And I'm not ahead. I'm still behind a lot of the science teachers that are doing incredible things already. Yeah.
0: Um, I love that New Jersey's requiring that. They're also requiring media literacy. They're the only state mm-hmm. that requires media literacy education. Uh, I pulled up the sustainable development goals. And I've talked about it a bit on this podcast, the United Nations sustainable development goals the sdgs Um, because i know that's a lot of way for for some teachers who are like i don't know what to do with whatever the thing is you know at the the very least just kind of student choice genius hour 20 percent time projects um, connecting it with like social entrepreneurship connecting it with environmental literacy um, connecting with media literacy there's there's so many ways you can go with it Mm -hmm. i think like the framework of the sdgs give people a way to like step out of of their like standard curriculum in a way that's not as scary so as i'm looking at the sdgs like very obviously number 13 climate action like this hits that off the charts but like you can make a pretty strong case for almost half of the sdgs connected with what you're talking about like life below water life on land quality education good health and well-being clean water and sanitation affordable and clean energy it's like that's almost a third of it. You connect it with zero hunger, no poverty, um, sustainable cities and communities. It's just like it 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 checks like so many of these boxes. So when my- you ask kids when you when you put these seventeen in front of the kids, you're like, which one of these matters to you? There's usually like one or two that like deeply resonate, and clearly climate action, right? But there's I think there's an entry point into so many of the SDGs just through environmental literacy, right?
1: Oh yeah, and then you get into to the world of you know, social justice, environmental justice, and why are some communities living with some really heavy duty environmental impacts compared to other communities? And how do we resolve those issues? And, you know, to the point of, you know, this this is bordering on, you know, straight up abuse of communities because of what, you know, chemicals and things are being released and what they're exposed to on a daily basis. It's just you know, there's so many, you know, and I, I, I'm going to do that with older kids you know, mm-hmm. I'm not doing that with the kindergartners yet. I'm going to do it. You said like in a simple way, like that's what I love about Green Guardians is the lessons they have are geared towards the age level and they, they simplify these messages so that kids can grow and then start to question as they get older, like, oh, wait, wait, why is this community being like um, put into a situation where their kids are ha- suffering a higher level of cancer? And start asking those questions and looking at society in a different way. And like, how can we resolve some of those issues that are not good?
0: Yeah. One of my favorite examples of that recently, California is going to have a law. How many years is it out around electric cars? We're like 10 years out. Yeah. Every car in California that's sold has to be electric. But if we zoom way out on that, currently the cars we don't need in California, the cars we've decided to junk are getting moved to places where there's more poverty. So a lot of what an article I read recently about walks you through like, okay, so California is going to be all electric. What do we do with all of these gas cars that cause all kinds of pollution? Well, so a lot of those actually go to central Africa and then suddenly we have clean air in California, but then other parts of the world where there's more poverty, Uh, not to say that all of Africa has poverty, but there's, you know, there's some real things we need to address in, in, you know, pockets of the world. For sure. We're going to be getting, those gas cars, and then their air quality is going to be hit. And in California that has more resources is going to have the cleaner air. So it's, it's not just, yay, no gas cars in California. It's well, the, the gas cars still exist, right? So there's, there's all kinds of real world impact with this topic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And if, if people are looking for books, uh, if you're for a reader and you're looking for a book, maybe this summer or something like that, there's a book called speed and scale that co- identifies some of the major things that, and that we need to um, really look at. And it sets goals, which is really nice about that book. Is It sets some specific goals and, and timelines. Uh, and then you process that through as a teacher and you look for materials that actually are easy to use in your classroom. Again, that aren't going to burden you or take away um, the time. I mean, time is that we, we've always talked about that, right? Is like
0: yeah, yeah. That,
1: that evil enemy of the teacher. <laughs> There's never enough of it. Uh, which is true for all of us in, in every aspect of life, we're, we're, with our families, with our friends, with all that time, we wish we had more time. Um, and this kind of gives you an opportunity to, you know, have that happen, have that happen. And, you know, there's a lot of studies out there or um, um, that ask teachers, you know, how much are you integrating or talking about the environment in your classroom and how much versus how much we want to. And it's directly inverse. It's like, like it's like 15% are doing it like on a regular basis. I'm sure everybody's doing Earth Day. Yeah, yeah. We, we want you to go beyond Earth Day a little bit. And then 85% though say they want to integrate it because their kids are excited about it because they care about it. And so it's like, how do you do that in a way that's again, easy to do? Um, and what I like that Green Guardian has done, they they actually have like um, a lot of free materials on the website, but they they don't try to hide the fact that they're a company and they need money to pay their employees. It's just a very low cost. And they, they had asked me to advise them on that when they were deciding on that. I'm like, you got to make it accessible if you want to make change. Now, it would be great if I'm sure the company got a huge grant. They could give it all away for free. They would yeah. just knowing the people inside there. But um, but uh, I like the fact that a lot of the free materials are like posters that you get in your classroom about what to compost and not. There's yeah. like letter worksheets for Kinders and TKs practicing letter formation that also correspond with environmental literacy and there's uh you know there's a a a 12-month guide to the lessons that you could use throughout the year um you know and integrate into your classroom uh, throughout the year uh so you don't have to do that kind of thing like simple ones not like the ones publishers do
0: (laughs) yeah this is not this is not actually helpful in any way
1: Yeah. Yeah. That you're like more confused and you spend more time looking at that than just planning something. It's really simple. And I, and I've told them that like throughout this whole process, like make it simple because teachers don't have the time and their energy goes into the millions of questions they get every day, like tons of problems that they're facing, you know, just because of, you know, recent events in the world and all those kind of things. So just make it easy for them and they're going to love it. And the teachers that are using it absolutely love this um and uh, me included uh i'm a little biased but you know definitely the teachers that are are not you know working with the company love it so yeah
0: i love it i also love like i'm clicking around on the website browsing resources um i'm seeing like this would not have been my go-to if i was still teaching second grade but then i can go to lessons and topics and the two that jump out to me right now um because it it affected our school big time this last year air quality Mm. and looking at where was the other one energy education so there were days when we had no power on campus and there were days where the air quality was really really bad Mm. Uh, I think a couple years ago we even closed our campus because it was just it was off the charts unhealthy and so back from that and you're going to talk about that we're like we had no electricity right let's go to greenguardians.com go to lessons go to topic go to energy education oh right. like now i have something to actually teach that isn't just like a morning meeting like yeah sometimes we don't have power and right why the, is that that's yeah. a bummer like that you know <laughs> or i'm going to spend hours you know creating a lesson which i'm not going to do we don't have time for right um, particularly after a day of having no power and so this this like there's a lot of on ramps here also I keep saying on ramps I feel like that's not something I normally say i don't I don't know what that's about, but anyway like there's there's definitely a, a way to get started with this that that feels really natural
1: yeah, for sure, and you know they their topics cover everything from you know what what happens to all the clothing that we no longer use
0: mm yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: right so how do we either upcycle it reuse it like what do we because you think about like you walk through just a mall and you look at all the shops and all the clothing that's all natural materials right that are taken used produced nothing wrong with that but where does that all go yeah yeah so so it's just like there's so many different little things that kids could figure oh i can use my old t-shirt to dry my car or something when we're washing it or whatever whatever it is um you know i found this met this amazing teacher at Q, after we presented out there on this topic, who said that their school, instead of using plasticware and plastic forks and knives, they Mm -hmm. actually went to a um, consignment store and thrift shops, and they found all this old silverware. And instead of just putting the old silverware out and saying, do that, and they got to wash it, what they did was they etched, they got an etcher, and they etched each student's names. What? Yeah. Right. Into the spoon, the fork and the the knife. I'm like, this is brilliant. And then the kids like, this is a personal item now. Yep. Yep. And they totally cared about it and they would take it home, wash it, bring it back. It like, this is special for me because it has my name on it. And it's like, okay, that's what a, what a great solution. Now I'm not saying that everybody needs to do that, but what a cool thing, what a cool, neat little solution to not only take things out of you know landfills but also give new life to it and take away the plastics that were being used at their school so it like had this multiple impact from a, a small act and and i think their PTA um, funded the money to buy the you know the silverware and things like that but you know there are fun and interesting and great solutions out there to some of the simple problems that i think a lot of us see in our campus yeah
0: well so walk us through like let's just get right to it greenguardians.com how do people get going and you also have a code for us right
1: i do have a code for you um it'll be for the first 10 people that use the code
0: Um, wow the first 10 people use the code receive yeah
1: uh we we got six months for them for uh you know for free um but normally the cost is a pretty small um uh, for anyone to, if they wanted to start using this, and and if if you really want to, and you say like I can't afford it, just reach out to me. Um, on E A C H on the Twitters, or um, you could find me somewhere online, I'm sure. But you can feel free to reach out to me, and I'll get it. I'll get you a code. I, we want you to use it. Okay. Um, but, well, you know, I'm
0: going I'm to throw that in the the podcast description. If you want the code, copy that, paste it when you sign up. That'll get you six months if you're one of the first ten people.
1: Yeah. And it's it's only $2.99 a month for all the lessons, not for a single lesson. You get a, you know, teachers pay, teachers are paying $6 for one lesson, right? Yeah. yeah this, is, this access is three, $2.99 a month or $30 a year. You get all of the content um, and that's a number of lessons. So each of the lessons is designed in basically like three parts. They're more like lesson series than a single lesson, but each le- part of the lesson series could be could be individual. You could just use that single part. If you don't have the time or you just like, you know, like you were saying, Bill, about energy, you just want to step into the beginning of it. But it's all designed around story. And so um, each of these topics has a story and follows characters through that story. And it's all solution based. So a lot of the people that are worried about teaching environmental literacy are concerned that it's just going to cause trauma in kids when you talk about all these problems in the world, right? Yeah, yeah which is natural, but these are all about characters who are finding solutions, real world solutions that are actually happening out there right now. And then what kids can do when they look at their school site and how, how can they help with those solutions? And, and it leads them through that. It's all all project-based, um, but it also aligns with a story that, that you can either read, um, you can have the characters play, you can play the videos and they have them. Um, it's, and it's all self-contained. So it's not like they're having to go outside and do a bunch of research on the internet if you have concerns around that. Um, if, you, if you don't have concerns, they can do that as part of the projects, um, but it's designed to be all self-contained within what, what the teacher has to access. It comes with slides that go with it. Like I said, I mean, even a couple of them come with like podcasts, Bill, that that the characters are doing a podcast and the kids do research off of listening to that podcast and video. It's It's just... And they're they're really well done. They, for the younger's, they use animals to kind of engage them more, uh, and for the older kids, they they just use kids going through things like looking at you know where does chocolate come from and who's being impacted by us getting chocolate you know and from mass companies that are, are not really treating their chocolate providers or cocoa providers you know well. So it's just looking at some different things you know like that. And then we've we've also partnered with. Some local places there up in Northern California. There's a place called Nimbus Fish Hatchery that some schools will travel to. I don't know if you've heard of it, Bill, but huh. yeah. So some schools will travel to Nimbus Fish Hatchery up in Northern California and look at the impacts on the Chinook salmon and, and what dams and things like that have done, and how people are trying to solve those things and mitigate the problems be caused by that. So, um, so there's some local connections and things like that, along with you know things that are just general in a sense.
0: I see That's just east of Sacramento. Yeah. Yeah. On the way to Tahoe. That's right. There it is. Awesome. Um, Well, Scott, thanks for being on the podcast. How do people find you again? It's Scott teach, but not, not three T's, just two T's in the middle. Scott Scott each technically.
1: Yeah. Scott each technically there is a Scott teach with three T's. So (laughs) if you contact him, he'll
0: probably be confused at what you're asking about, but that's just, that's too many T's. That's out of control. Yeah,
1: that's what I felt like. I'm Mm -hmm. not I I had to go with Scott each. Yeah. So um yeah, you can contact me there. Um if you're, you know, into play, Global School Play Day is like a fantastic event for schools. It's it's a life of its own, Bill. We don't have to like promote it really anymore. People have made it part of their culture at their school and do it, you know, beautiful like three or four times a year now. So um talk about a free way to help your students mental health. Like what mm-hmm. a perfect, perfect way to do it. You don't need a curriculum for that, um, but uh, yeah, reach out to me and um, do you want that code?
0: Yeah, well, I'll just, I'll throw it in the podcast description. I can't imagine someone's going to write it down right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I can't either, especially the, what kind of code it is. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Awesome. Well, Scott, thank you for joining us. Uh, my name is Bill Selleck and you are?
1: Scott Bedley. Thanks for having me, Bill.
0: This has been us talking.